See, I got it on the healthcare side. HIPAA. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> it is time for us to get started at Tuesday at the Table. I'd like to welcome everybody uh, out there in Internet land and say welcome and welcome everybody who is here. Uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to delve into God's Word, and I think we're going to have a good time. I'm going to kind of back up on some of the... Uh, one thing that pastor has pointed out in his teaching in the last couple of weeks, and it's not actually on the actual being uh, ready and armed and ready and ready for the fight, but it's just something he mentioned the other day that I thought it would be great for us to build on. But we're going to get started, and we will start with prayer this evening. So if you'll bow your heads, and uh, right now, Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. Lord, we come before you. We come lifting you up first and foremost. We come with a wanting heart to learn more about you. We come with a wanting heart for you to speak to us, Lord, through your word tonight and through our study. We ask right now that you would just touch each and every one of us. You would open every one of our hearts, ears, and minds to what you want done and said tonight. We thank you and we praise you and we lift you up. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Um, the last, pastor's mentioned it a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. He mentioned, he was talking about, uh, you know, he's talking about spiritual warfare and spiritual battles. And But a lot of times we can't blame everything on the devil. We can't blame everything on the devil. Uh some of the stuff I've heard in my time in ministry of people saying, pray for me, the devil's, I just smile at them and I go, I was like, we need to just pray that you got answers. You know, a lot of times they try to blame, and we're going to get into that tonight. We're going to get into um, us doing our own self not very good. And uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight is we have a choice of two things. Now, y'all going to like this. We got a choice to either wallow like a pig or soar like an eagle. We can either wallow like a pig or soar like an eagle. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So everybody out there in... Facebook and internet land and all across the world, across the world wide web and everybody here, please turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 12 and go to 16. Tonight we're going to talk, uh, uh, start off talking about the redeemed heir, i.e. the prodigal son. So many times we like to put everybody's old label on them. Oh, that used to be the town drunk, but he's in church now. Oh, man, they were crackheads. He had a bad lifestyle at one time, but 
let's just drop that. If they need to use that as their testimony, let them use it as a testimony. You don't need to put a label on them. And we, even in the Bible, we've done it. We've, we talk about the prodigal son. We talk about the woman with the issue of blood. Why don't we say, why don't we say redeemed heir or the healed woman? Uh, talking about Mary, you know, uh, and I'm not talking about Mother Mary. I'm talking about Mary Magdalene. You know, she was, you know, everyone wants to talk about, hey, she was delivered. She was delivered from prostitution. And then sometimes witchcraft. She was, she was not good. I mean, we like to put these labels on people, and a lot of times people, uh, how we get these labels is not from uh, uh, the devil getting after us. Yes, there's a lot of sin in this world, and there's a lot of stuff in this world, but we have a choice whether we want to wallow like a pig in the pig slot or we want to take up wings and soar like eagles, don't we? We have that choice. The devil ain't never put nobody in a pig pen, and the devil sure ain't never. No. He, we make choices in life. We need to learn to learn from them, grow from them, Show God's power of deliverance from them and use them as our testimony. Amen? So again, Luke 15, verses 12 through 16. I'm going to run through that real quick. And it says, The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed it all up packed up all of his belongings, I used kind of today's language, and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. I just picture some old country boy going to daddy saying, you know, they farm. It's just a little side note. And he goes, daddy, I want my, my inheritance. And he packs it up, jumps on an airplane, goes to Las Vegas to live. It's kind of like what I said. Not dogging everybody in Las Vegas, but it does have a lifestyle in Las Vegas. I've had family to live in Las Vegas, so yes, there is. But there's also a lot of stuff. But you think, I mean, because that's how it looks and everything. You think of the strip, and you think of all those neon lights, and you think of all that stuff. And that's hey, you got to hear Montgomery, you got in Prattville, you got everywhere else. But guess what? This boy packed it up and he left. And about that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that, he, that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Those of y'all just walked in here, we're going to talk about wallowing like a pig or soaring like an eagle. We're fixing to break this down real quick. And I want us to understand, the devil did not put him out in the pig pasture. The devil did not send him out to live in riotous living, as us old church folk used to say, riotous living. Then go out and party his, his wealth away. The devil didn't do nothing. That's this was self-choice. Self-choice. Each and every one of us has a choice 
which in way we're going to do things. Now, let, am I saying that the devil does? Yes, he's got things that are tempting all out there, but we have the choice. We have the choice. Do you want to sit there and wallow like a pig your whole life, or do you want to soar like an eagle? In verse 12, it, it points out that we are the ones that put ourselves in the wallow. He made the choice. He went to dad. He said, dad, I'm done here. I want to go live my life. It's time to party. I want my part of my inheritance. And dad said, okay. Dad said, okay. Dad didn't fight it. A lot of times we in life decide we want to do things our way. And we got a heavenly father that loves us so much, but he looks at us. He looks down and he lets us. He may have a little small voice. You can't tell me this father didn't go, son, do you think you're really doing what you need to be doing? Because I know my dad would have probably, my dad wasn't one to really interfere in my life, but he would come out and do a little, you sure this is right? And usually my bullheaded self was like, yeah, dad, I've been thinking about it. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Pew. Come back later and go, Dad, you knew what you were talking about. He said, yes, son, I did. Because I've done it too. I've been there. Our Heavenly Father goes, I know where you, you are going to end up. I know what's going to happen. Do you really want to make that choice? It's a small, still voice. He loves us. He doesn't hold puppet strings over our head. Because if he did, we'd never be bad we'd never have sin we never he would just be in total control but he's not like that one of my favorite disney stories a lot of i've had some old church people get mad at me when i've said this but you take the story of pinocchio geppetto is the lord and we're pinocchio think about it Geppetto never wanted a puppet. God doesn't want puppets. God wants what? Relationship. What did Geppetto ever always want? Relationship. He wanted a boy. He wanted a son. He let him go off and do what he wanted. You know all the stories. He lived the puppet's riotous life, didn't he? <laughs> Went off, joined the circus, did all that goofy stuff. But when did, what happened? He came home. And what happened when he found true love? And Geppetto just grabbed him up, just like the father did here, just like God does with us. He got his son. He had his relationship. And Pinocchio was truly, what was he? He went from wood to flesh. He was born. This story correlates so much in our walk with God. If you look at it, oh, Walt Disney was a, no, look and take, God gives us things like this. It's a good teaching moment when you can't talk to anybody else about a prodigal son type of thing. You tell them this story straight out of the Bible, they'll look at you like you're cross-eyed when they're lost. 
but you start relating the story of Pinocchio, which most people know and they understand and they think about the nose and they think about him running away and his strings getting cut. They know all this stuff, Jiminy Cricket and all that stuff. They know about Pinocchio. They know about Japan. And guess, you can start correlating that with the love of God. Pinocchio was just like the prodigal son. He made the choice he wanted to go when he knew he could be freed from those strings. He made the choice to go. We make the same choices as Christians every single day. Whether to follow God's leading and go the way we should go or are we going to go about it our own way? And that's what the prodigal son did here. That's what Pinocchio did. That's what I have done at times. When we look now at verse 13, it is a result from living, is, it is the result from living or the way he, that he's not supposed to be. In 13, so a few days later, the young man packed it all up. His result was he became started living a life he's not supposed to be living. He took, left home. He went and decided, hey, I'm going to move off into this distant land. I won't lose Las Vegas no more. I'm going to say Los Angeles. Sorry, Pastor Kevin. I'll say Los Angeles. Okay, I won't say. I'll say San Diego. I'm from San Diego, so I'll say he went off to San Diego and went and was partying in Sand Dog. And there wasted all of his money in wild living. I can relate with that. I signed papers joined the United States Navy, ended up stationed in San Diego. I was not the little Christian boy. I lived a life I should not have been living. <gasps> yes. Let's be honest with our testimony. Look where it's got me today. I grew up in church from the age of 13 on. I walked an aisle a day after my dad did. I was baptized the first time, the same day my father was. I went to Sunday school. I knew all the Bible that needed to be known. But I was lost as a goat. And I decided to live my own life. And I decided to go my own way. And I was living a life God did not have intended for me. Am I saying the United States Navy? But no. But I was living that life how I shouldn't have been living it. This young man, yes, maybe he wasn't supposed to stay on the farm. Maybe God had greater things for him to do somewhere else. Maybe he was supposed to build another farm, raising other things or, or land, on the land next to it. And, use, and they buy up more land and him and his brother had competing farms or adjoining farms. Maybe something like that. But maybe he was supposed to leave home, but he left home under his own terms. He left how he wanted to leave. He did what he wanted to do. He did not stay under the guidance of his father. We many times will not stay under the light or the guidance of our heavenly father. And it's our choice. Yes, the devil may have something waving out there in the wind, but he ain't picking you up by no collar. He ain't dragging you down no road and making you put something in your mouth, your arm, up your nose, down into your liver, or whatever. 
He's not making you look at stuff on the internet you're not supposed to be looking at. He's not making you watch TV shows you're not supposed to be watching. He's not making, uh, he didn't make you have relationships you're not supposed to be having. It was your choice. Yes, the lifestyle may be that of the devil, but you chose to live that. He didn't make you do it. No one made this young man run off with his inheritance and live a life like this. He was choosing the pig pen. He was choosing the pig pen. He just didn't see it coming yet. Then in verse 14, we will find ourselves always paying for our decisions. The good old saying, what, what, what is it? What goes around comes around. Plain and simple. I couldn't get that out. Thank you, brother. What was that? Reaping you shall sow. All them good things. But you know what? You can't keep stuff hidden. It, it's going to come about. Things are going to blow up. Things are, there's going to be situations. Life happens. Life things happen. Things happen. A famine came out of nowhere. And he had done partied his inheritance away. He couldn't even feed himself. And we have to pay for our decisions. He had to. He had to pay for his own decision. And we see that when we start looking at verse 15 and 16. When we hit rock bottom, we can choose to take to that mud and wallow in it. And when I mean wallow, I mean, y'all seen it. Oh, me. Oh, my. How do I get here? Why can't I? Brand new iPhone 13. Why can't I pay for my power bill? They cut my power off. Let me text them and find out. Oh, my brand new. Oh, you see my brand new iPhone 13? Pay your power bill. I ain't just saying that. There's, we make choices in life. We have to pay. What comes around, comes around. We, if we can sit there and wallow in it and go, oh, I ain't never going to have my power back on. I'm going to have to go buy me emergency candles down at the Dollar Tree. I'm going to have to hurry, heat up my ramen, you know, with a lighter. I'm going to have to, all that. No. What you can do is go sell your iPhone. Go pull out your old flip phone in the drawer of phones you've collected over the last 15 years, and there's 15 phones in there. Yeah, it's, and everything else. Quit, quit going and doing that stuff first. You know, men, I, I, and I'm saying this. You know, that was kind of, that could have been a jab at ladies a lot with that. But I'm going to go with the men. They got a family, the sport, they're supposed to be, and there's some men out there that's supposed to be taking, and they end up at the casino or at the bar before they ever pay a bill or put a grocery in the house. And then they wonder what in the world's wrong. And they go, how am I going, how can I feed my kids? Don't put that Budweiser down your throat. Them 15 that you just drank down at Lou's Bar and Grill. Don't sit there and play the, the I ain't going to say slot machines because I ain't, according to everybody. Those bingo machines. 
and, and watch them things go ding, 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 ding. And, you know, the China man come up and the panda, you know, and then you got the little dog that runs across. You got all them things going on, and these things are spinning and all this stuff, and it's getting exciting, and you walk out of there with your pockets empty. Oh, and then you go, and then you get home, and little Timmy looks up at you and goes, Daddy, we're supposed to go to uh Sign up for baseball tomorrow. It's going to be $50 to start, and tomorrow's the last day, and he promised me. And you got to look down at little Timmy and go, we ain't got it, son. And then you go off in the room and go, I just disappointed my son. Here, here comes the wall apart. Let's get all up in this mud like them pigs do. Let's wall all up in here. <laughs> why did I, I'm just a disappointment. I need to take care of myself. Why didn't I, oh, the devil made me do it. The devil ain't made nobody do that. You made the choice. You made the choice. He may entice you. He may have had that casino or that bar's light on, open sign on for you. But you the one that decided to grab the door handle and open it. There's all sorts of other examples out there, that, and those were just two, and I tried to make light of them. I tried to make, but honestly, it's real life. Yeah, spirit, yeah, our spirit is, yeah. But our flesh is weak, but my spirit is strong. What we got to do, what that's saying is we need to overcome the flesh with our spirit. It, it is a spiritual battle within ourselves, but we're not always battling demonic spirits. We're battling human fleshly spirit. That's exactly what it is. There's three spirits. There's the spirit of God. There's the antichrist, which is anti-God, which is of the devil. And there's this flesh spirit, which is you. And so many people don't understand that when they want to blame that second one, when you've got to look in the mirror and understand, and that's what we're talking about today, you've got to understand it's not always the devil. It, a lot of times it's us. And pastor put that out, and I just, I was sitting back there, and I just kind of watched some faces. And it was kind of like, understand, the devil is going about roaring like a lion to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your spirit. He wants to steal your joy. Because he knows when he gets you down, he can just end it all. But a lot of times we put ourselves in the position. I'll tell you, if he goes around roaring like a lion, why in the world did you put yourself in the jungle? Maybe you should have been in the house. Maybe you shouldn't have been outside when it's dark. Maybe you should have waited until the sun comes up. We, yes, ma'am. You want to know what the key thing about that is, too? Sometimes we don't even hear that. Sometimes we don't hear either one of them. We just act on our own. So many times. But there's something about this. And 
what we need to do is make the decision to get out of the mud. We just need to get up and get out. If you find yourself there, quit blaming the farmer that you're eating uh, corn cobs. You know, if you've ever been around pigs, pigs really don't eat corn cobs. They'll gnaw everything off of it, and it'll look like a stick. My uncle used to grow two pigs. The last ones were called was uh, Barney and Fred. Guess who named them? My uncle John. And I can still remember them pigs. The corn cobs, they would, it, it, it wouldn't look like a corn cob. It looked like a stick. They, it, they, they sucked that thing clean as much as I can suck a chicken wing bone clean. I mean, it was clean. Now, if they won't eat it, and this man was so desperate, even he was eating them and noticing it wasn't satisfying him. He was that far down. He was wallowing that bad. But he made a decision, and we all need to. I don't care. What, me and Sister Vanessa, we've been in financial straits. We've had times of heartache and hard strain and everything else. But what we decided to do was pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, put on our big boy pants and big girl pants, sacrifice some, and pull ourselves up out of the pit. And yes, it took some prayer too. And also taking credit cards and putting them in a block of ice and putting them in the freezer. That's it. And guess what? If we go on into Luke, we're in Luke 15. Like I said, we've read about him being a pig and wallowing around like one and making the decision to live like a pig and put himself in the there. Let's look at 15, back in 15, 17, and 18. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, both heaven and you. I, uh, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. He come to his senses. I can tell you, people, we're going to find ourselves at times where we're going to have to be pulling ourselves up and going to go, Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have lost my cool and went off on that part. I shouldn't have done what I did, it, it may not be nothing drastic, but it still may be a sin. I may not, Lord, I, I, maybe, Lord, I feel bad. I shouldn't have lied on my taxes. Ooh, I'm going to find something because I'm going to prove I ain't perfect. Ain't nobody walking around this earth that is. The man who was died a long time ago, but he rose again and he's at the right hand of the Father right now. That was the only perfect human ever to walk this earth. We all have our faults. We all stumble. We all can stub a toe every once in a while. And what we need to do is have enough maturity. One thing I've always told my daughter, one of the biggest things ever you can show of maturity, whether it, no matter, is to admit you're wrong. One of the biggest mature things a Christian can do is admit they're wrong and they and uh, ask the Father for forgiveness. That's it. 
Humility. You got it, lady. You got it. I love that. Yeah, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. But so many people, well, what's that word? Pride. Like I said, you want to show mature Christianity? Drop the pride thing. Drop the pride thing. There's a lot of pride. I'm not saying this, church. Please do not get me wrong. There's a lot of prideful folk in the church world. Unfortunately. When we should be the most humble there is. Because I'll tell you, we're, Jesus is our example, and I never saw an, a prideful attitude out of him. I saw humility. A man that strips down, takes a cloth, puts it around his waist. The night he's going to be arrested and be taken to be put on a tree, he still humbles himself to the point. He says, I'm, a, I'm showing you to do this because I'm your servant as much as you are mine. And he sat there and watched the most nasty thing you could do because it was what the servants were supposed to do when you walked in the house, and that's to wash feet. And I'm not talking about grocery store feet. Those roads were nasty because those roads had two types of traffic on them. They had foot traffic, well, and they had either horse or whatever traffic. And guess what? Then your feet were nasty. And our Lord, our Savior, dropped to his knee and even washed the feet of the one who was going to betray him. Do you see a prideful nature at all in that? When we need to humble ourselves and go, Lord, I'm not perfect. I stumbled today. I stumbled. Please forgive me. We need to take a little note like this young man, and he went home to his father, and he said, I've sinned against you and against heaven. We need to go. We need to be, realize in our situations, we need to really examine them and go, you know, I've blamed everything. You know, you want to know what a lot of times a Christian will do when they get in a hole? Who's the number one? Behind the devil, who is the second one they blame? The husband. <laughs> Tommy, I'm sorry, you just got blamed. No, well, no. No. You got it. Do you know how many people, Christians, that will blame God for things? That'd be like that young man going, Dad, I blame you for allowing me to have my money and go out and do this. Or, But on the other turn, it's this. Lord, you should have helped me. You knew I was in dire straits. Why didn't you help me? I guarantee you, if you would have had your eyes open, he's had ways out all the way around. When he really has to get your attention, where it's blatant is when you hit that bottom and he goes, okay, they're on the bottom. I'm going to have to, I'm really going to have to show myself now. 
but so many people want to sit there and if they don't blame the devil, they're going to blame God. Why didn't you? Why did you allow this to happen? Okay. Why did he allow his son to go to a cross? Where were you when this was happening? Where was he when nails were being driven into his, hand, his son's hands? I'll get people's attention real quick with that. I may jack up and mess up, but I do, I can't, and I'll be prideful on this one. I will never blame the Lord for my jack-ups because I know every time I mess up, it's just like watching that nail go back in his son's hands. He's in the same place. He's sitting on the throne. He's looking down humbly upon you with enough grace to not just wipe you out, Grace. What's the definition of grace? Two words. I'll give you two words. You, I have taught grace several times in the last 10 years. You're the first person that it brought that out straight to me me that's exactly the two words it is unmerited Ooh, you just gave me chills thank you lord unmerited favor that's grace yeah yeah because you think we don't merit his grace we don't merit his favor what have you done other you take jesus out of as a human what have you merited to have his favor? Nothing. Because at the fall in the garden, all of that went away. But you want to know, if that don't show you love. Yes, he did. To receive his grace. But that grace, you know, that, that word, you can look at grace. There's, there's, you can look at grace, and I'm not going to get into a grace study. Oh, here comes a good plug. But grace is a churchy word, and this Sunday at 9 o'clock, over here in the annex, there will be a study called churchy words. It's going to be one of a couple because I can't break that all down in all my churchy words. Grace is one of them. Sanctification, justification, atonement, salvation. Just think of the normal person sitting in a pew or a chair, and you say sanctification. I'm going to tell you, I was, I, I was a Christian for several years before I went to ministry, and I could never have told you a definition for sanctification justification, atonement. I knew the words. I kind of knew what they meant, but I didn't have an understanding. They're churchy words. In today's talk, we don't use those words. That's why we're having that.
So I'll get rid of that plug and we'll get back to this. He made a choice right there to get up out of the mud and shake it off. We know what happens after that. But when we make a choice to do that and we return to the Father and the Father restores us, we need to start soaring like eagles. It's time to stop wallowing like a pig and soar like an eagle. Isaiah 40, 28 and 31. I'm just going to read it. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? He under, is understanding, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and those who have no might, he increases in strength. Don't this sound like restoration? What's happening and when you decide to get up out of that mud and out of that waller and you want to take, you want to go from, you know, being a walk around pork rind and you want to start sprouting feathers. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That's where I get the sore like an eagle. Because when we wait on the Lord and we let him restore us and we wait on him in situations and he give us the path and we follow it and we do the things we're supposed to, he'll give us the strength to get through the situation. What's that scripture say? Oh, the Lord will never put anything on you. No. That is the most false teaching in the Christian world today. Understand that that scripture says one thing, that there is nothing that can come upon you that the Lord can't deliver you out of. People think that, oh, we, he'll never allow me to go into a situation I can't handle. How in the world is he not going to get, how is he going to get your attention if you can handle everything? But there is nothing that can happen to you that he can't take care of. So many people like to teach it the other way. And that is such a falsehood. I'm sorry. The Lord ain't going to put anything on you in the first place. And another thing, he's not going to allow it to take you over. He's going to step in because he knows where he has to step in. What does it say even right here in Isaiah? He's the one that gives you strength. He's the one that's going to make you mount. Hey, you're fixing to fall into that ravine. You're going to mount up with wings and fly like an eagle right over it. You're down in that pit. He's going to make you be able to run up that trail and not grow weary. He's the one that's going to strengthen you. And then he goes in and says, yeah, even young men get weary. Even young men will faint in their own power. But in his, we can do all things. Who? I think there's a scripture like that, isn't it, Brother Tommy? What is it? We can do all things in who? Christ who strengthens us. Isn't that what it's supposed to say? Or is it we can do all things because we read the Bible and we think we're, we're a mighty Christian? No. Who strengthens us? We can do all things through Christ. Can he do all things? Hey, I don't care if you're Lou Ferrigno. Okay, 
you young people out there don't know what that is. I don't care if you think you're the rock, Dwayne Johnson. I don't care if you think you're the Wolverine. I don't care if you think you're Superman. I don't care if you think whatever you are. I'm sorry, this world's got kryptonite, and it'll take you out. And the only one that ain't affected by it is my Jesus, his daddy, and that spirit that empowers each and every one of us that is around this earth right now and is living in within each and every one of us, the Holy Spirit. That's how he empowers us. That's how we take up wings. We have a decision. Do you want to stay in that mud hole? Do you want to just waller in your own? What are you know, waller in your own pity? Waller in your own junk? Blame everybody but yourself. One of the best things to do is carry a mirror around. Look back and see where did what did I do to put myself in? A lot of times when you end up in a situation, you need to instead of going. Well, the devil really got, no. Or God just didn't, he just abandoned, no. What did I do to get myself in this mess? I can think so many times my dad trying to give me a warning on different things. And it wasn't bad stuff. But he always gave, he would give me warnings and stuff. He wasn't one to just, he wasn't one to just command over me. One of the very first times I can remember is back in the day, my dad was an electrician. He was a Navy, learned to be an electrician in the Navy. And he was an electrician after. He had what was called an old Simpson 260. There were analog meters. Well, the older ones didn't have a they had an internal fuse they didn't have a reset and if you did something stupid like put voltage across it when you were trying to check resistance that internal fuse would blow or that trip breaker would trip if you didn't have that it would blow the meter and you you would go up and smoke and make a real nasty nasty and you'd let all the magical smoke out of the little wire well my i grabbed up my dad's old one and I thought I was something. I can still remember where I was. I was my dad was stationed in San Diego at the time. We were living in uh, Holland Gardens. I was sitting in the garage, and my dad used to bring me stuff off the ship that was broke. He'd let me take it apart, and I'd sit in the garage and take stuff apart and put it right back together. But one day I decided I was going to get the meter out. And I'd always watch my dad do one thing. I always watched him take the meter, put it in the socket, look down and make sure it was reading. But I'd never paid attention to where he had put the dial. Well, my dad had always told me, son, never use my meter in a live circuit. You can play with these broken things, but never stick it in these plugs. You're not old enough yet for me to teach you electricity. Rick knew what he was doing. Rick turned that thing over to this thing. It was called R. And there was this little symbol. It's the omega symbol. Ohms. There was no V around it for voltage. And I stuck it in there. And that thing went poof. And all of a sudden, I even smelled it. I smelled all the magic smoke leave. The fuse. 
And that meter really smelt funny. And about two minutes later, my dad walked in, a, an electrician, who today, I'm the same way. I smelled that three rooms down. I know something burned up. My dad don't even get in the garage, and he goes, what did you do? What did you do? Rick was smart enough. My dad didn't whip me much in my life. Because you know what? I had the same fear of my father as I do of the Lord. And that's a healthy fear. A respectful fear. Yes, a lot of people think, oh, God could just crush you with just a beep. Now, the fear of the Lord is a respectful fear. We don't have to, he never wants us to cower at his feet. He wants us to respect him as a father. And that's how I did my father. And like I said, it wasn't many times. He did whip me a few times, but it wasn't many. He didn't whip me then because I was real quick going, I did what you told me not to do. He, he went, he, he looked over. He said, you stuck that. And he, he said, yeah, I can see. And you stuck it in the socket, didn't you? And I was like, yeah. He got mad. Woo. He got mad. And he said, son, Luckily, there's a thing, and at that time I didn't understand it. There's a thing inside of this called a fuse that saved your life. Now, the fuse took it out. Because if that fuse wasn't there and there would have been a direct circuit, I would have been popped. Or with 110, probably not. If I would have got into some higher voltage, yes, I would have. Even with fused items now today on the voltages I work on, up in the you know, 480s with you know, 250 amps running through them, if I, put a, if I put the wrong meter, even the wrong meter across it, I can cause what's called an arc, and I can get flashed, and I can get killed easily. That's why I wear gloves and everything. I wear electrician's gloves and stuff when I mess with certain, when things are under current draw and stuff. It's just, but with that fuse, if that wouldn't have been in there and it was a direct, I could have killed myself. And that's what he knew. As an electrician, he knew that, but he knew that fuse was in there. And he said, son, you could have killed yourself doing that. He said, there was a reason. And eventually, now he didn't have this conversation real quick. First conversation was, I thought I was fixing to get a whooping. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. He got my attention. But then I found out later Back in the day, you didn't just buy those cents and 260 fuses. You had to send the meter to Simpson. It ain't like today where you can go find everything on eBay or on Amazon. I can rebuild just about anything I wanted to. If TVs, if I had the schematic, I could go find parts anywhere out on the Internet. Back in the day, you were lucky to go down to the Woolworth and get the, the tubes for your TV. But you had to send that back. And I, that was even a bigger thing because my dad lost his meter for almost a month because of it. But it was me not listening to my father and doing what Rick wanted to do. But you want to know what? Yes, he got mad. He got angry with me. And I felt bad. And I told him I was sorry and everything else. And then when he started having the speech about, son, you could have killed yourself. That's the only reason your dad told you not to do that. It's just like when God goes, you know you could have killed yourself eternally. You could be in flames right now. 
worse than those flames. And honestly, I wish people would quit depicting hell and flames because worse than that flame is going to be the eternal separation from the presence of God. I don't want to know that feeling. This earth will feel that feeling one day. It's such a bad thing that it caused, it will cause silence in heaven for 30 minutes. When they say, imagine what that is. That means all the praise. All those cherubim, cherubim and all that, all them are going around him going holy, they're going to hush. Because it's going to be such a thing when his presence, when that seventh seal is open and that first bowl is, and his presence is going to be removed. His is going to be removed from this earth. And this earth is going to feel hell because that is what hell is. It's not all about the burning flame for us because the flame wasn't created for us. The flame was created for the devil and the third angels that fell. What we have to suffer through is this eternal separation of the presence of our living God. If that don't scare you, And that's what, just like my dad looked at me and said, you could have killed yourself, son. God's saying you could have eternally separated yourself from me. Because if I would have killed myself, I would have separated myself. We would have met in heaven one day. And, and, but understand, God don't want us there. God understands our flesh is going to die one day. But he wants to, us to come home. He don't want us to be separated eternally from him. And there ain't no turning back from that. It ain't. It ain't no going, hey, Jesus already went down there and took the keys. He ain't going back. Huh? He took the keys to hell, death, and the grave. In other words, we're not trapped anymore. We're not, it, once we, I mean, we're not basically... He is in control. It's through him we're saved. It's through him we don't have to suffer the second death. You know what the second death is? That's going to hell. That is when we're not saved and you when you're not saved and you die, instead of being born again, people are going to receive a there's going to be a second death, and that's that eternal separation, separation from God in hell. Well, guess what? He took those keys away, and all those that believe in him, we don't have a second death. We may die in the flesh, but we eternally live in him. Okay? That's what that means. Grave, like the old song says, ain't no grave going to hold me down, which is true. Our flesh and bones are even going to be reunited with us one day. And they're going to be, and we're, we're not just going to be spirit up in heaven. All We're going to be us again one day. 
Ain't no grave. He took the keys to the grave. He took them away. Our flesh, one day that he's going to call, and the first thing before we, let's say it happens tomorrow or happens in 15 minutes, so none of us are dead. Before we even take off that one inch, there's going to be a lot of ground opening up and a lot of bones going to be soaring through the air. And there's going to be a reuniting of that. And then there's going to be us. We're going to be like, pew! And it's all going to happen in a blink of an eye. Isn't that what it says? And there's going to be a lot of people on this earth going, what happened? There's going to be a lot of people wallering when they should have been flying like eagles and soaring like eagles. I don't care if you do not agree with the politics that's going on in the United States right now. I don't care if you don't agree with inflation ex exploding right now. I don't care if you don't agree with taking a shot or not taking a shot. What you need to do is still soar like an eagle and know who's in control in the first place. He lets man work, play it out. Because if you look at the end of the book, it looks like we're playing it out, really. The world is playing it out very well. And they were following a script they didn't even know they were following. They think they're brilliant in their own minds, and they're doing this stuff. Well, guess what? What we need to do instead of waller in our pity and go, oh, the world's going to No, we need to soar like eagles and go out there and show people we can still live our lives and get people saved and show them how to soar. Let them know, hey, yes, it's rough, but guess what? I don't know how I do it, but I can still pay, put gas in my tank. I can still go down the Piggly Wiggly and put food on my shelf. I don't know. It, it, things just seem to be getting multiplied. Uh, the Lord's taking care of me. It's soar like an eagle and quit wallering in pity going, oh, I don't know how I may be going to afford a loaf of bread one day. Oh, they're going to make me have to prove that I've had the shot if I even go to the grocery store. They might not even let me go buy a McDonald's hamburger without the shot. Buh, buh, buh. Who cares? I'll make my own hamburger. I have a gun. I know how to process meat. I'll take care of my own stuff. Guess what? God's gave us, each and every one of us, ability. I'm on my high horse right now about wallering. We need to quit wallering. If you are a Christian, there's no reason why you should waller. You might not like the times. I don't like the times. I don't like what's going on. I don't like the mandates. I don't like inflation. I don't like the politics. I don't like how the world's ending up. I don't, I don't, I don't. But I know this much. Rick can't do a thing about it, but Rick can stand on his own two feet. He can sit and soar like an eagle. No, God's in control no matter what, what other religion, what other country, what other dictator, leader, or whatever is coming up with. It took a lot for me not to start spitting names out right there. <laughs> but I can tell you, we don't need to waller in all that. Yes, I look at it and I go, mm, what's happened to my country? As a former U.S. Navy sailor and the son of a sailor and the son of a... My lineage is World War... My it goes to the Civil War, but my, my grandfather was in World War I. My, my dad was in World War II, skipped Korea, went to Vietnam. I was a desert stormer. We covered a majority, about two-thirds of, of the past century in being serving our country during the wartime. I love this country. My dad was a patriotic fool. I'm a patriotic fool. But I look at, at, at it as we were a God, 
lead country. We're not anymore, unfortunately. But guess what? I'm not going to waller in that. I'm going to stand up and know anyway, my God is in control. I'm not going to waller that I don't like what's going on. What I'm going to do is go, I'm going to, it's going to be funny when I am still being taken care of by the one who's in charge and people are going to be like, how is that happening? I might not be eating filet mignon every day, but I might have a fresh squirrel on my table with a, some canned string beans. Oh, I'll eat some fried squirrel and and some rice and so but i'll tell you i'll eat i'll i'll go find poke salad if i got to i know i know i mean i can i know you're that was it's like a turnip green that grows wild let's just put it that way but you better cook it right or else you're gonna be you're gonna get sick but the whole thing is i'm not gonna waller in this it just doesn't have to be about us being in bad situations. It can be we're wallowing in the situation all around us. Well, guess what you've done? You've just started untrusting the Lord. You started looking toward the world for things. You started looking toward all of that. And guess what that has done? That has put you... Yeah. And you fix start wallowing. And you fix start gnawing on corn cobs. When you need to shake yourself off, because you want to know the funny thing about a bird? White mud all over a bird's wings. How far is it going to fly? Bur mud. You ever see those commercials with Dawn dish washing liquid, when, especially right after the Valdez thing happened? Dawn made a killing. Because all them wild birds, uh, Birds and animals, do you know what they cleaned every one of them with? Dawn dish soap. Because one, it removes oil very well, and it's not harmful. Well, guess what we have? We have the blood of Jesus Christ. Ain't that right? We do. And it can wash us clean. We don't need to waller being a, we're supposed to be eagles soaring. Didn't it tell us we're supposed to take up wings and soar like an eagle? We can't waller in the mud. We do. We can't fly. Birds are aerodynamic. In aerodynamics, it's, it, it, when it comes to laws of physics, it's pretty tight. Because you can just take an inch or two off the tip of a bird's wings. It's called clipping a bird's wings. Parrots and stuff, if you ever want. Oh, maybe in the, with them it's not even an inch. And you clip, they don't fly. You put a little mud on their wings, they won't fly. We're supposed to be soaring. Let's get up out of the mud. Let's quit blaming everybody else. Let's quit blaming, like I said in the beginning, Pastor started, has said it the last two weeks. Quit blaming the devil for everything because... And that's how it started. We make the decision to wallow in it. We need to make the decision to get up out of it. Let him clean us. Let our wings flop them right. Yeah, watch birds. I can't do my arms that fast. And all of a sudden, all the water's gone. And next thing you know is flop, flop. They're gone. They're soaring. And that's how we should be. 
we should quit worrying about everything. We quit worrying in our self-pity. Quit worrying in all the things of the world. Quit worrying about it. We need to soar. I'm going to finish with this. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And that can force us, right? That spirit of fear can force us into the mind. Because we succumb to it and we don't recognize it. And that's why pastor's teaching these spirits. When he's hitting those at the end, at the end, you don't know how important that is. And I told him this Sunday, I said, do you, I was like, I like the thing about talking, everything about else. But these things you've been hitting, you hit depression and everything he's hitting here at the end, closing out. That is valuable to understand your enemy. You have to understand your enemy. We didn't go into desert storm wearing greens and all our... It's funny, though. It seems like everything since then has been desert colored. But everything went over. Yeah, there were some guys that showed up in greens. They didn't stay in greens very long. When they got there, they were put in desert camis. We weren't. We were out on the ship. But all, all those jeeps and... Humvees and all that stuff they had back, you know, deuces and all that. They still had deuces back. All them, you know, they might have showed up green, but pretty soon they had a slap of desert OD on them. Do you know who started that? Storming. The man knew what was going on. But the whole thing was the... They, we knew who we were fixing a fight and how we had to be ready for it. You don't recognize your enemy, you will never. And I told Pastor, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell everybody out there, you need to, you need to be here Sunday. I can say it without, Pastor ain't going to tell you that. I will. You need to be here Sunday. But if not, watch it out there. And you need to be taking note and understanding what he's teaching because it is valuable at this time. Because the spiritual warfare is cranking up. And there's going to be Christians that are going to crumble under it. Mm -hmm. The tools, but like I said, you have to recognize the enemy. And he's giving us enemy description at the end. It's like he's teaching us a new weapon. And he goes, this is how, this is an enemy you can use it against. And us understanding it. Two weeks ago. My number one enemy was talked about, depression. So don't say that spiritual stuff don't happen. I'm going to close out with this. Psalms 27, 13 and 14. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. I will see God's goodness here in the, it didn't say in God's glory land. It didn't say in Canaan land. It said that I'm going to see God's glory here in the land of the living. That means in this earth, how it's jacked up, how people have made it, I'm going to still see God's glory. And I'm going to what? Say it. Soar like an eagle. I am going to see it in this living, this living earth, this earth that's so jacked up. Who cares? God's glory, I'm still going to witness. Galatians 6 and 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. 
at just the right time, we will reap and harvest the blessing if we don't give up. There's a key thing, and I can't call it off the top of my head. Tommy's probably going to remember it. Jesus says this, when he comes back, who is he going to find that's faithful? When he means faithful is who hasn't given up. Because when you give up, you give in. And I ain't talking about to the Lord. I'm talking about to this world and to the schemes in the wilds of the devil. And you've made the choice to give up. We don't need to be quitters. We don't. You know, they talk about in the end times there's going to be a great revival. And there's going to be a great For that to happen, there's also going to have to be a great falling away. Stay strong. Don't wallow. Another thing about soaring like an eagle, where does that put you? No. Also, up above all the mess. Even though it's all around you and still down below you, you're up above all the mess. But you are in the crosshairs. There's going to be some fire darts shot at you. They're going to be like, look at that one, Flaunce, thinking they're soaring like an eagle. Oh, clip my wing, but guess what? Lord will sustain me. Another feather. Ooh-wee. Oh, read, read the baby scripture. Yes. It's exactly what it is. But also, it talks about, but it's your decision. It's your decision. In other words, you give in to the flesh, and the flesh is weak. You're heading for the mud hole. You're heading for the pig pen. You're going to go in there and be with Fred Barney. You're going to be hanging up like ham steaks because it is pig killing time. Yeah. No, if you're constantly, you're praying, you pray without ceasing. You're, no, you're going to, you're going to recognize stuff. You're, it's going to, you're going to be like, oh, you, yeah. At first, I'm not saying the things of this world. One of the first thing, one of the last things I saw on TV before I walked out of the house, Michigan. There's a bunch of kids right now. It's been shot. They're going to blame everything but the kid that went there and did it. And there's going to be a bunch of people, the church world's going to blame the devil. There's a bunch of people going to go out there and blame Remington and everything else. With the word. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's why Jesus said, when I return, who will I find? And also, Jesus gave us another way to defeat the devil, too. Hit him. Hit him. Hit him with that word. 
Hit him. Hit him. Hit him with the word. What did Jesus do when he came out and he tempted him three times? It is written. He didn't go. He could have looked at him and said, Satan. He could have done the, the Peter thing. Get behind me. He could have said, be gone. He could have said, I'm casting you now. And it would have happened. But no, he was an example to us. And he looked him square in the eye. And every time he tempted him, the man ain't ate in 40 days. I know, he even said how great he is. I know your power to turn these stones into bread. It is written. Man does not live by what? Bread alone. I can just see almost a... No, but Satan ran because he hit him three times. Three times he tempted him, and on the third time, what did this, the devil do? He's gone. He's left. He, he hit him with God's word. That is a weapon. One of my favorite teachers, I went to Promise Keepers back, and there was like 70-something thousand of us in the Georgia Dome. Yeah, just men. And E.B. Hill, a black Baptist minister out of L.A., California, had all 75 of us chant and hit him. He taught that that night. And he was like, the most important thing you can ever do to come up against the devil is hit him with God's word. Because he don't take those licks very often. And he, he don't. People won't use it. People won't. And that's what we need to do. When you feel like he's trying to lead you to something that can end you up in the waller, Hit him with the word. Yeah. And that's why we need, I mean, this teaching, these Tuesday nights and this teaching we're doing on Sundays, not just because I'm doing it. I'll stop tomorrow if you think it's, I'm saying this because of that. But these teachings are so important. Our pastor gives what he can on a Sunday morning, but he is not your Texaco man sitting there to wash your windshields and fill your tank up for a week. We're living in the time now that it's self-serve. He's there to direct, he's like Tom Tom or whatever. He's there to direct us to the gas station, which is the word of God. And he's going to tell us what gas is best. It's for us. It's just like this. That the word of God is what? It is meat. It is food. Our pastor don't isn't supposed to sit here and feed you like a baby. It's time to take up our forks and start cutting our own meat. Get off the milk and get into the meat. We need milk for those that are new Christians and those that have not got we need, and pastor is on point. And we need to sit there and take it in. Then he said something that I always said, do not take what I say for it. Go home and study it and approve it. And if you find where I've messed up, I've told people that and I've had twice. I got checked. It wasn't bad. 
but I got checked. And when I got checked, it made me better. And I've always told people that. And it wasn't because, and I, I didn't start saying, I said that. I said, look, just because I'm up there preaching, God gives me the word and I may interject like I ain't supposed to. That's why you'll always hear me pray, get me out of the way and you speak, Lord. But if I bring a wrong interpretation or something, which could cause someone to stumble, and I don't want that, if you come to me as a Christian brother and sister, put your arm around me and say, here, you need to look at this. I've had that done twice. And you know what? That's a growing experience. Now, I ain't saying you need to find fault in everything pastor's saying. But what I'm saying, that was a, one of the most humbling things you can ever hear your pastor say to you. Because he's wanting you to learn. He's wanting you to be equipped. He's wanting you to be trained up. He's wanting everybody to be able to fight this fight that we're fighting. Amen? Pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. Pray that he gives you, that he brings everything he needs to because he's, he's on point right now. Yes. Yes. 